Today on Better Health, I'm speaking with Dr. Robin Murphy, who is the scientific advisor for DNA Labs, a practicing naturopathic doctor at Ace Sports Clinic, public speaker, and researcher who is immensely passionate about educating both healthcare professionals and the public about how genetic predispositions can impact health and guide personalized treatment. Dr. Murphy's goal is to empower individuals with the proper tools and information to support meaningful and significant change to their health. Helping patients achieve their peak performance by addressing underlying facets to disease, correcting hormone imbalances, digestive dysfunction, and alterations in the nervous system. You guys are going to love Dr. Robin Murphy. She is such a pleasure to speak with and listen to, and I absolutely love genetics, and so talking with her was such an honor. I know you're going to fall in love. You're going to want to stay till the end. We have some awesome offers at the end of the episode, so stay tuned and enjoy. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. everybody. I am so excited to have Dr. Murphy on my show today, the Better Health Podcast. She is so unbelievably sweet, has an amazing background with health, and she started a new position at Ace Sports Clinic. So congrats, Dr. Murphy, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much, April. I'm so excited to be a guest here and yeah. just share some of the knowledge and exciting things coming out of the clinic and uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is genetic testing. Yeah, it's an awesome topic. I love genetics recently and really diving into it, and there's so much behind it. Um, before we dive into the meat of our show today, um, a few quick questions just to get used to and um, get a little background about you. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Oh, interesting question. So I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and Calgary, uh, at the time that I was growing up there, it was a relatively small town. Uh, so we did a lot of outdoor activities. I grew up camping. Uh, we're right, right by the mountains as well. So skiing, snowboarding, hiking uh, was really part of our lifestyle. And I grew up playing sports as well. So badminton and soccer. So I would say from a, a health perspective, you know, it was always important to eat dinner together as a family. Um, that's always healthy. You know, I'm, I'm a German Irish background, so mm. we had a pretty standard, I would say, uh, upbringing as far yeah. as our diet. And when yeah. I look back, there's certain go-tos that we had, like <laughs> mm -hmm. bagel bites and pizza pops. Oh, yeah. Really, you know, oh, yeah. Totino's pizza. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so healthy, but... Uh, mm. I think overall, you know, we had a pretty uh, healthy upbringing, active, lots of family time. Uh, so yeah, it was a good base, I would say. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. I have a German background and then Polish background. So it was cool to hear that you have a little German in you as well. So, um, yeah. and then what got you into health? Well, my, uh, I come from a family of doctors and uh, oh, wow. my gra grandfather was a surgeon and a GP. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I got the inspiration, even from a young age. And yeah. you, know, you look back at these sort of school projects of what do you want to be when you grow up? And mm -hmm. ever since the age of kind of five or six, I wanted to be a doctor. 
Mm. And so it's interesting, you know, how the kind of story um, unfolds, but mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't even know what a naturopathic doctor was. I, mm-hmm. I always wanted to get into surgery and, um, or it, it slowly evolved into cardiovascular surgery yeah. or cardiothoracic. Uh, um, mm-hmm. But I ended up on the naturopathic route. And wow. uh, it's been an interesting journey for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool that you're into that now because I feel like it's, you know, the next step with health and it's becoming bigger and bigger. So it's super cool that you ended up taking that route um, versus some other alternatives that you could have done. So mm-hmm. really cool. All right. So before we jump in also, can you share a quick personal experience that listeners may relate to in regards to genetics and women's hormones? Do you have any personal experiences that kind of, you know, really fostered that topic in your life? Hmm. Uh, Well, it's been interesting with the genetics because I got into the field kind of serendipitously. I wasn't looking for a job in genetics. I went for my own genetic results and ended up having a great conversation with the owner and that turned into a job. So, Mm -hmm. you know, through, through my experiences and learning about genetics and putting my genetics out there and doing research for um, companies and helping Mm -hmm. to develop some of these panels, there's been a lot that I've discovered about myself Mm -hmm. um, as I've, you know, slowly uncovered more and more. And so, you know, a lot of it has to do, I would say my own experiences more so around um, cortisol response, stress Mm -hmm. response, the way that I interpret uh, data and internalize stress. Mm -hmm. I realized from a genetic standpoint, I have, you know, the the highest predisposition for Mm -hmm. kind of stress, uh, the effects of stress and kind of what that can do on a a chronic long-term basis if I'm not really aware of what's going on and managing that. So um, it's taught me a lot to be a little bit more mindful and objective and implement a lot of the strategies that I teach patients uh, with mindfulness, dress reduction, just identifying some of these triggers that um, can potentially turn on that stress response. And Mm. without even knowing it, a lot of times people internalize and create these habits where, you know, it ends up being that you just, turn on the nervous system kind of yeah. perpetually, and mm-hmm. then you'll you'll notice the kind of long-term effects of that kind of down the road so right. it's been a journey to kind of understand yeah. that from my own health perspective yeah. um and i think a lot of people share that mm. uh experience i totally I a lot of patients that you know expectations of job and family and i think society as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah but these un you know, unprecedented sort of standards in place that are really Mm. hard to meet long-term. Totally. I completely relate where I never really thought I was the type of person to get stressed, you know, have a little bit of anxiety. And over the course of the past two years with just different, you know, life experiences going on, it just built over time. And I realized, wow, stress is like the overarching, you know, factor based on like how you're doing in your health. And um, I never thought I'd experience that until I did. And it just built up over time. And so I totally relate. And I really had to learn how to, you know, change certain habits in my life so that I can, you know, kind of compress that stress and, you know, get it out of my life as much as I can. 
So I definitely relate. Thanks for sharing that. Well, and it's interesting too, because uh, speaking about the stress component and just the impact that it has on us as a society mm -hmm. is what we realize is that people can be predisposed to be, you know, worriers or mm. um, highly sensitive to stress, but yes. there's other factors and other genes that control our serotonin receptors mm -hmm. that can actually be activated and influence our emotional integration of stress mm. and so how we're um, perceiving stress, how we're um, integrating it into our brain, how our brain is then processing mm. and then stimulating the rest of the body. And a lot of these genes get turned on in utero, meaning mm. that it's the stress of the mother that is wow. then affecting the onset of an expression of these genes that is then affecting a baby's life and then their adulthood overall. Wow. And there's been studies even looking at transgenerational um, effects that we see where mm. uh, changes within the epigenetics of the grandmother can actually affect the, the, uh, mm. the offspring uh, in the grandchildren. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy that to think that it's not just right now in your life that is having effect on your health, but you know, it goes back generations. So who knows what your grandparents were doing and the stress they experienced and you know, how it relates to us now. And um, and just because it seems to be that just because you have, you know, more of a predisposition to, you know, having stress in your life because of a certain gene, it seems that you're saying that, you know, there's other genes that play a factor in that and they all, you know, in a way work together where they can turn the other on, the other off, and then also, you know, generations past as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important for people to understand, um, also understand their own genetic predisposition, but also mm -hmm. their history. And not because this is kind of the end all be all, there's nothing you can do. That's <laughs> right. it, you're doomed. <laughs> like yep. This is about actually empowering people to understand mm -hmm. a little bit more about kind of what is their propensities, but more mm -hmm. importantly, how can we adjust these? We know that the brain is extremely what we call neuroplastic, mm -hmm. so it's malleable. We're yeah. able to change habitual, you know, um, tendencies, mm -hmm. um, internalized responses, as well as neural networks that are responsible for these kind of knee-jerk reactions mm -hmm. of how we're responding to the environment. Mm -hmm. But it, for a lot of people, it takes the data. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's helpful to see, okay, you know, I do have this genetic predisposition towards worrying, let's mm, say. Right. Uh, this is related to dopamine pathway, or mm -hmm. perhaps I have a tendency for increasing the cortisol response and, and hypersensitive to, mm. um, you know, stress in my environment. Now I know, you know, there's certain things that I really need to be pay attention to right. uh, to help decrease the stress response and then reestablish a healthy integration you know of how we're responding mm -hmm. to our environment totally yeah health is becoming so much more personalized now and people just want you know something that is so personalized to them and you know you can't get more personalized than genetics and um, i feel like that's probably why it's becoming such a huge thing in this day and age definitely cool so when women you know get their genetics tested what does that encompass what do they have to understand when they have that test and they want to optimize their hormones, let's say? Right. So um, I specialize more in a certain type of genetic testing called lifestyle genetic mm. testing. 
And so these are particular pathways and genes which have been associated and identified to be directly impacted by our lifestyle, mm -hmm. by our environment, as well as certain uh, pathways like hormone metabolism mm -hmm. and how variations in how we process our hormones can mm -hmm. actually lead to uh, certain hormone-based diseases like mm. PCOS or um, endometriosis or fibroids, mm -hmm. and even contribute kind of long-term to right. risk for breast cancer, yeah, right? Definitely. So what women need to understand is when you get a lifestyle genetic test done, mm -hmm. um, it's looking at so many different factors. Um, mm -hmm. So just to kind of break it down, we're looking at uh, diet. So how does the body respond to different macronutrients? So ratios mm -hmm. of protein, fat, uh, are, how are you metabolizing these? How are you processing these? Is it affecting mm -hmm. health like weight gain or inflammation or heart disease mm -hmm. um, or risk for diabetes, for example? Right. It also looks at risk for nutrient deficiencies. So, mm. you know, how many, how much of a certain food or nutrient do you need? What is the doses? Right. Um, are you at risk for, say, vitamin D deficiency, and then that mm -hmm. can lead to autoimmunity or osteoporosis? Yeah. Um, we're looking at the estrogen pathways, so how estrogen mm -hmm. is being broken down, um, as well as detoxification pathways. Mm -hmm. uh, there's areas related to food sensitivities or just general sensitivities, so mm -hmm. it's not like a food allergy test. Right. These are genetic-based sensitivities like celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity, mm -hmm. um, lactose intolerance. So, you know, when we look at health in general yeah. and women's health, <clears throat> it's not in isolation. We're not just looking mm -hmm. at reproductive and endocrine function. Yeah. We have to look at the body as a whole. And so right. the genetic test is helping us to have kind of an underlying view of some of mm -hmm. these pathways and other systems and are there any genetic weaknesses, you know, that mm. can help us predict of uh, issues that may be arising or contributing right. to your symptoms or development of the disease or depending on where you're at in your life, right. preventing a disease, right? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So interesting. And I feel like PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, it is such a common thing this day and age. And is there any thoughts regards to why it's such a common health concern and um, horrible thing that women are experiencing right now? Yeah, so I, I have some theories which I've extrapolated from some of the research mm -hmm. that I've been diving into and some of the panels that we've developed at the genetic company as well. Um, so what's really fascinating, and just to give the listeners some background information, mm -hmm. is estrogen, when it's being broken down, it's, and what I mean by that, it's getting deactivated, and then it's getting mm -hmm. eliminated from the body. Um, this is a process that occurs through our liver, mm -hmm. as well as through other enzymes. So mm -hmm. this is how the body is kind of turning off the, the hormones right. and yeah. regulating them, mm -hmm. which is really important because unopposed estrogen will just cause unopposed growth, right? Right, and right. So some of the theory behind uh, endometriosis, uh, more so fibroids, mm -hmm. is this unopposed estrogen growth or estrogen effects where mm -hmm. it's not balanced with progesterone mm. and the body retains too much estrogen or the receptors are 
continuously stimulated mm -hmm. and this is causing uh, endometrial growth uh, mm. that's uh, abnormal, right? right. So th this is one sort of thought around fibroids is this, you may have heard estrogen dominance mm -hmm. sort of picture where yeah. women are deficient in progesterone or they're not able to clear the estrogen appropriately. So they may actually come back with high serum estrogen mm -hmm. within their labs, um, or they just may present as symptoms of high estrogen, uh, mm -hmm. which can look like PMS, breast tenderness, uh, anxiety, sleep problems. And then we can see development of, of things like uh, fibroids, mm -hmm. for example. So what's really interesting um, is that the estrogen, how it's getting metabolized, those same enzymes also metabolize a lot of environmental toxins. Mm, and right. so these are chemicals which are found from industrial processing, uh, combustion of organic materials. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's found in products themselves. And mm. what we've been uh, able to identify, or scientists have identified, mm -hmm. is that the, a lot of these chemicals, they mimic hormones. They look like hormones. Yeah. And so when they come into the body, the body says, well, you know, this kind of looks like a hormone. I'm going to put it through this enzyme system, try and deactivate it and get mm -hmm. rid of it. And what can happen is it can bind to estrogen receptors. So it, mm -hmm. it can then act like a hormone right. and cause hormonal symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, or it, it, it competes with our natural hormones for metabolism. Mm -hmm. So now you're disrupting the body's hormonal balance and the ability mm -hmm. of the body to regulate our own hormonal production, mm -hmm. elimination, and uh, metabolism. So right. part of my theory is that we're seeing a lot of, you know, A, there's, there's studies showing that women who have certain versions of these genes who are exposed to certain chemicals have mm -hmm. a higher risk of say uh, fibroids. Right. Um, and then with endometriosis, there are certain genes related to detoxification called glutathione. Mm. Uh, it's a gene called glutathione as transferase. Mm -hmm. Some people can actually be missing some of these genes. Oh, yes. And so there's studies looking at women who uh, are missing these particular pathways have a high, much higher risk of developing endometriosis. Mm. So up to 64% increase wow. in endometriosis, which tells me that some of the underlying um, pathophysiology or the factors that are contributing to disease development are mm -hmm. likely um, embedded within environmental toxins, exposures, and some of these antioxidant detox pathways. Mm. Um, so I think one of the reasons we're seeing an increase in this is just based on the amount of chemicals that we're being exposed to right. on a daily basis. You know, yeah. I've heard up to 22,000 different chemicals, you know, That's over the crazy. course of a year that yeah. we're being exposed to. And there's, you know, I, I, you know, trillions of pounds or tons of uh, chemicals being dumped into the mm -hmm. environment on an annual basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so many people think, oh, it's just, you know, based on my diet and how my body reacts to the food I put in. And that's all that really matters. But it's so much more than that. And not only just stress as well, but the environmental toxins and, and it seems to be, it's such a normal thing for women to think, oh, PMS symptoms such as breast tenderness or cramps. It's such a normal thing. You know, that's what I'm supposed to experience as a woman. But it's like, 
in a way, that's a great sign to tell you that your hormones are totally off and you have estrogen toxicity right now and you need to get your hormones in balance. And it's crazy to think how many women don't know about the four phases of their cycle and how important the different hormones are at each point. And so it's just when you learn about your genetics, it's really great to have that background as well and learn how it all works together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, nutrients too, that we can potentially be deficient in, which are then contributing to some of the estrogen accumulating in the system or not being able to be cleared properly. So before going down the route of say birth control or, you know, taking hormones or anything else, you really want to look at kind of the base, like what is my body working with as far as the tools, the nutrients. Uh, So choline comes to mind. Not a lot of people Mm. know about choline or think about it, Mm -hmm. but it's intimately connected and and responsible Mm. for our hormone health. So, and the reason for that is because choline is one of the, base ingredients for bile production. Mm. So a lot of our excess hormones are getting dumped into the bile and then through the liver and then into the the gut for elimination, Mm -hmm. right? But if you don't have proper uh, choline or essential fatty acids or glycine or taurine or B vitamins, all the Mm -hmm. nutrients that are responsible um, for proper bile production, then you know, we're not able to properly excrete those hormones as well as fat soluble toxins too. Right. Yeah. You know, genetically we can be predisposed to low choline levels and especially Mm -hmm. women who are looking to get pregnant um, or women who are going through menopause. Mm -hmm. It's really important that they look at choline because the choline demand is higher for pregnant women. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, it's essential for brain development of the baby. Mm -hmm as well as it's directed by estrogen. So mm-hmm. for perimenopausal women, as the estrogen comes down, it lowers the expression of this gene and mm-hmm. then the, the endogenous production of choline, and then it can lead to bile sluggishness or mm-hmm. insufficiency, and it'll show up as gallstones. So how many women you know, <laughs> have had right upper abdominal pain, you know, right. fatty foods are irritating them. It's causing mm-hmm. bloating or you're getting kind of loose stool mm-hmm. um, after a fatty meal. All of these are signs mm. of bile insufficiency. Um, and most people don't catch it until they have stones and then they of have course. to get your gallbladder removed. Ugh, right. Interesting. So yeah, it's crazy how, you know, just a lack of choline can cause you problems in so many other areas that you never would have thought um, what do you, what would you recommend to women that, you know, find out that they have low choline and they're having problems with their bile? Um, mm-hmm. How would you recommend taking that supplement or not taking supplement at all? Can you get it through foods? Yeah. So you know, most people can get it through foods um, enough to satisfy their uh, needs and requirements mm-hmm. for that. And so it comes from things like eggs. Um, there's even soy lecithin, not that I recommend mm-hmm. people to eat a ton of soy, but right. um, uh, there are food sources that you mm-hmm. can get it from. Uh, for patients, you know, what I'll typically recommend is even a short duration of mm-hmm. taking choline. Uh, there's some really neat products out there. Um, Designs for Health is one of the companies that I use, and they mm-hmm. have something called GPC, 
which mm. is glycerol phosphatidylcholine, and it's in a, a liposomal base, so it's okay. really easy to absorb. Um, right. It tastes great. There's other companies out there uh, like AOR. They have something called Citicoline. Mm. Um, but I, with any, you know, supplements, I always recommend, you know, seeing a, a doctor and having someone, right. you know, prescribe that so that you know that the proper dose uh, is uh, you're taking the proper dose as well mm -hmm. as there's no interactions with like medications or other supplements. And you really have to look at kind of digestive health too, right? Totally. Um, so if you give choline, uh, but the other nutrients are deficient, then you're not mm -hmm. going to be able to absorb it and, uh, mm -hmm. and then produce choline or bile. Definitely, definitely. And how does gluten tie into that all? And I mean, gluten-free diets and going off gluten is such a popular thing right now. And what, what are your thoughts on topic. that? It's a hot <laughs> topic. It's the, the big health topic of the year. <laughs> Yeah, I would say of the decade even, but yeah, what totally. blows my mind <laughs> is that, um, you know, there's, what is it around, you know, 3% is probably a high estimate, but 3% of Canadians have celiac disease, which is a very mm -hmm. low number, but 30% right. of Canadians avoid gluten. So what's happening here? You know, it's mm -hmm. not that everybody has celiac disease. Um, and from a genetic standpoint, um, you know, there is a, a genetic risk for people to have celiac as well as mm -hmm. non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So we can test that from a genetic standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of patients that they'll do genetic testing. Um, it'll come back high risk and mm -hmm. then we'll run the antibodies and we'll do a panel to screen mm -hmm. for celiac. Um, if those come back high, then uh, it's likely that they're... Mm -hmm they're celiac. The best, the gold standard would be doing a biopsy, but right. uh, we tend to not need to do that. Um, but then there's a whole group of other people who come back, they're not celiac or uh, gluten sensitive. Mm -hmm. The allergy testing doesn't come back high, mm -hmm. um, but they, they know, you know, they've experienced that when they eat gluten, they get mm -hmm. bloated, they don't feel well. Um, they get fatigued or, you know, brain fog and right. all these kind of extra intestinal symptoms as well. So mm -hmm. what, what the, the pattern that I've seen with patients mm -hmm. is that a lot of times in North America, they, they have issues with mm -hmm. the wheat here, but yeah. they travel to Europe and they're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference, you know, yep. what, <laughs> how are they, well, that's a kind of a rhetorical question. So uh -huh. do you see the difference? <laughs> Does anyone listening know the difference? But um, about 10 years ago, Europe banned some of the herbicides mm. that are typically used here. Glyphosate and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there's been some studies. One of the doctors at MIT called, uh, her name is Stephanie Seneff. Mm -hmm. She's done some really interesting research around the effects of gluten and, or sorry, the effects of glyphosates, and, mm -hmm. which is essentially the product in Roundup, mm. um, <laughs> the effects that these have had on not only the microbiome, but mm -hmm. human health. Right. So the, your initial, you know, idea behind using this and what, um, you know, people who produce this say, Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that it's safe is that it works on the shikimic pathway, which is a bacterial pathway that we don't have mm -hmm. in our system. Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, it's safe for humans to ingest. You know, we're using it in the seeds. There shouldn't be any residual 
um, you know, byproduct uh, right. or humans. Mm -hmm. um, but as the studies come out and as more investigation uh, ensues, it just seems that that's not the case. Right. First of all, we have trillions of bacteria within mm -hmm. our digestive tract, and that's responsible for our metabolism, for extraction of nutrients, our gut health, our right. immune health. Yeah, you know, so many different things. So yeah, right it's like that, it dictates you know? your whole body, your brain health, everything. Yeah, I categorize it as a its own organ, even. Yeah, it really is of how much it does for us. Mm -hmm. So you know, you could be compromising the microbiome, but we also see that um, it can displace glycine. So glycine mm. is an amino acid, and it's utilized for smooth muscle contractions. So. Uh. Uh, it's also utilized for hydrochloric acid production and uh, things like gallbladder contraction, motility within the mm. digestive tract. Uh, so I, I think, you know, it's having a bigger issue on mm -hmm. our system that we think we just haven't been able to directly associate it. But now that we're starting to see some epidemiological studies coming out mm. showing, you know, the production of glyphosates and say the rise of you know, certain diseases. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I suggest people to check out Dr. Stephanie Senna. She has some great mm -hmm. papers um, and really just trying, you know, to avoid right. gluten, see how you feel, mm -hmm. give it about an eight week period. That's usually how long it takes to bring down the inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, do a trial. There's, mm -hmm. there's also, I don't know if you guys have um, in Vancouver, but like boutique Italian grocery stores, so no. you can get wheat from Italy, oh, or no you can get way. pasta from Italy, and uh, oh, have that And that's amazing. Yeah, I love that. I'm such a foodie too, so anything related to food, I'm always all ears. <laughs> Despite me trying to stay away from always like gluten and all, I always mm -hmm. love to hear those little things where it's like, oh, you know, a good quality product and knowing where it's from, so important. And like mm -hmm. hearing about glyphosate, it also, you know, it just encompasses, you know, our whole health that we talked about earlier with the environmental toxins. It's one of those that just begins to wear your body down and build stress inside you. And um, it just, yeah, it's one of the many factors that, you know, affects us daily mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. even seeing it. Yeah, we don't really realize. And it, it takes decades for this stuff mm -hmm. to really have an impact. Because when you look at a lot of the studies related to environmental toxins, you know, they're working on parts per million and they say, right. okay, well, if we get exposed at this small level, um, what is that doing to the body? So mm -hmm. acutely, not so much. We're mm -hmm. able to handle quite a bit, but then you consider 22,000 other chemicals <laughs> and you consider right. over decades and you consider, you know, other physiological functions <laughs> that just occur, yeah. uh, such as stress when we're in a stress state, it downregulates or our, our mm liver and detoxification enzymes. Mm -hmm. um, so you can, these are measurable effects that's happened. Mm -hmm. So if people aren't able to detoxify, they have genetic variations that increase their susceptibility to these effects. They're mm -hmm. being exposed on a daily basis. Um, you know, over time, these contribute to chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And it does, it takes a long time to see these <laughs> kind of pop up. And I kind of use the analogy where like, um, you know, a bucket, we're just kind of filling our bucket right. up over the course of a lifetime and then eventually you get to the brim and mm -hmm. things start to spill over and that's when you'll start to see symptoms 
and people say, I don't know, I don't get it. You know, I've been eating gluten my whole life. And then now <laughs> I'm noticing, I, you know, I get bloating right. or, you know, I'm getting more allergies and I'm getting more reactions mm -hmm. from things. Smells are bothering me. I'm getting headaches. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling fatigued. I have just generalized feeling of unwell. Right. And a lot of these can be associated with more so toxin accumulation that we see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And taking that holistic approach to saying, rather than putting out the fire when it arises, why don't we just prevent that from happening in the start and take those steps so we're not experiencing allergies later on. Um, and I love the bucket analogy. I, um, I have susceptibility to, you know, histamine intolerance due to the DAO gene. And mm -hmm. so it's often referred to as a bucket as well, where yeah, you're, you're fine, but you know, the more histamine foods you eat, it's going to start to overflow. And that's when you experience those problems. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's, it's a great analogy to use. Um, when it comes to exercise and diet, what are women surprised to hear or see when they get their genetic results? Because a lot of times I feel like women feel like, oh, I have to constantly be working out um, mm -hmm. all the time, but I'm not even losing weight or, you know, they don't work out very much and they're totally fine. What's a common um, thing that you find with women when they get their results? Yeah, well, I, I think most women uh, and people are surprised by the fact of their ability to recover from exercise and how mm. much this can affect the positive benefits of exercise itself. So when we're exercising, um, the intensity of exercise has a big impact on how beneficial that exercise will be. Mm. So it's kind of like the, uh, you know, Goldilocks and the three pigs <laughs> right. sort of idea, right? Mm -hmm. If you're exercising just a little bit, you know, and not really kind of stressing the cardiovascular system or, um, you know, challenging yourself, we may mm. not see a lot of benefit, a lot of growth, a lot of, um, you know, improvements in cardiovascular mm -hmm. health or health overall. Right. Uh, it's still good to move and it, it, totally. and it can have other benefits, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, if people are exercising where their intensity is too high, mm -hmm. they're not recovering properly, or they're um, doing the wrong type of exercise, mm -hmm. then they could be putting all their energy and, and you know, eggs in one basket, essentially, right. and they're actually causing more inflammation and more oxidative mm. stress that it doesn't allow their body to respond as we would, you know, uh, expect. So mm -hmm. these are a lot, a lot of the women who are almost over-exercising, mm. and then they're like, what's happening? I'm not losing any weight. Right. You know, I feel like crap. I'm, I'm doing these crazy spin classes yeah. or um, CrossFit classes or whatever it may be. Um, and they're just not seeing the results. So mm. in the genetics, we can actually see who is a candidate for, um, you know, having high amounts of inflammation or not as tolerant to this mm. uh, high anaerobic, high intensity uh -huh. right. exercise. Right. So I see that a lot. And, and when you kind of make this connection for them mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, but how do you feel after that spin class? And they're like, oh no, I have to take a six hour nap. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, so like, hmm. probably not recovering so well. Let's, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> they make the connection, but it's a real mm -hmm. aha moment for them. Uh, and they say, okay, that makes sense. So what we do mm -hmm. is we help them work with um, you know, the proper intensity, the proper types of exercise, 
based mm -hmm. on their genetic predispositions. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, at the clinic that I'm at, we work with the exercise, you know, the kinesiologists and the mm -hmm. um, personal trainers to develop a program so that we're not stressing the body beyond its limits. Right. We're allowing for that adaptation as well as the repair and then providing the appropriate nutrients hmm. and support to then offset some of these kind of inherent genetic uh, tendencies when the body gets stressed too much. Mm, right. And then, yeah, tailor um, their health by, you know, incorporating certain supplements that maybe they're depleted in and just really personalizing it like we talked about earlier. And um, because it's not a one size fits all for every single person, spe mm -hmm. specifically women from men, that's completely different. And then the differences between women as well. So um, understanding that is so crucial to improving your health. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's a lot of women that are probably thinking, okay, knowing that I shouldn't exercise as hard, but changing that mindset because we're so ingrained to think that, you know, you've got to get that exercise in and it's got to be intense. Otherwise you're not getting anything from it. It's probably difficult for certain women to change hearing that. <laughs> yeah. I think for some people and typically more of the type A personality, they, mm. it, it's hard for them to kind of change that habit. Right. Um, but for a lot of people, it's also, uh, you know, it, it's relieving because they think, oh, thank God, I don't have to, you know, try to keep up with. I didn't like it anyway. Yeah, and you know, from from the genetics, we can also, you know, see some of the individuals who have more of a propensity for endurance type of training. And it doesn't mean that they're not doing weights. It's just they're adjusting their weights, their the reps, the the actual weight itself, as well as rest periods to more mimic an endurance style of mm. um, program as opposed to this high intensity interval right. that puts a lot of strain on the muscle that we see, you know, based on muscle fiber tendencies, as well as electrolyte mm -hmm. imbalances, aldosterone levels, um, mm. all can be affected by our genes and uh, therefore mm. the response to the exercise. Wow. So much information. We barely even tap the surface. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to know about these genetic kits that you offer. Um, mm -hmm. What do they include if someone was interested in getting this done? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's actually directly through uh, the company that I work for. Uh, it's a direct to consumer company. Okay. And so it's called DNA Labs Canada. Mm -hmm. um, DNALabs.ca is the website. So people can go and order this kit online and essentially it's a cheek swab so you get mm. the kit sent to you it's a little box no eating or drinking ahead of time it's like a little q-tip and mm -hmm. you just rub the inside of your cheek uh 10 seconds and then lower uh gums mm. uh, or lower mouth in front of the teeth and then other side of the, the mm. cheek and then you put it in a stabilizing solution and send it off to the the company and cool. uh, that's pretty much it and then we'll get the results come back in about two or three weeks um and everything's online as far nice. as the results there's an encrypted password protected portal that mm -hmm. patients or clients get uh, access to and then if they're interested in having uh you know a further deep dive into their mm -hmm. genetics what what's the meaning how do i integrate this into my health into my program that's where uh, practitioners like myself 
mm -hmm. um, are happy to go through it with them and kind of integrate it into uh, a plan. That's awesome. And I'm assuming they'll find out a lot about, you know, certain diets that they should, you know, take on in their life versus others and the exercise. Um, and then, yeah, so it's very specific to um, a few different diets. So it's not this uh, tell all, you know, right. about every single food and every single diet out there, but it is very specific about kind of how much fat are you able to tolerate? Mm. Is there a risk for say, weight gain with a high saturated diet? Is mm. there a risk for uh, dysglycemia or mm -hmm. diabetes with certain carbohydrates, uh, macronutrients mm. and ratios? So it's, it's very specific to, I would say, you know, is keto right for you uh, are you going to do better on a low carb diet or you know high protein mm -hmm. and then specifically if you have any risk factors for heart disease and particularly uh, high triglycerides is the mediterranean diet something that you're going to respond to right. so it helps people to uncover you know the medical diets you know mm -hmm. what's going to be best for you and your body based on kind of um, blood sugar, weight loss, as well as heart health. Mm, interesting. So cool. I love being able to find out more about myself and just how my body reacts to certain things and mm -hmm. trying to optimize it the best that I can. So I appreciate that information. Um, just a few more questions before we end. Um, what are five takeaways you want listeners to grab from this episode? Okay. So... I think number one is that genetics really helps to empower individuals mm. in making really meaningful choices in their life. Definitely. So there's so much great information out there, but how do you really know, you know, what is having the biggest impact on you? And don't think that your genes are your destiny. You know, mm. our genes are getting turned on and off thousands of seconds. <laughs> and as I talked about in the beginning, we can actually change the expression of our genes long-term by certain lifestyle and behavioral modifications. So mm -hmm. it's definitely empowering and it's helpful um, mm -hmm. that our environment has a huge impact on our genes as well as our hormones. And that for women, knowing kind of their estrogen metabolism, it's really important to uh, understand genetic susceptibility to say hormone-based diseases and how they can regulate their hormones. It's, it may not just be, you know, the hormones, it may right. be the liver, it may be the environmental yeah. toxins and exposures to think about. Definitely. And, you know, stress is a big part in our society. <laughs> so it's really important to consider, Especially okay, how am age. I managing stress? How am I sensitive to stress? And, and, and am I internalizing stress? because long-term this will have huge effects on our body. Right. Um, and then I think, you know, a big takeaway is to just be curious, mm -hmm. be curious about learning about uh, different aspects of health, about who you are, right. you know, be open to different ideas. And uh, that's what really gets me excited is kind of sharing knowledge, um, collaborating with others, and then just seeing how people can transform from being open to mm. that. So awesome. I love it, Dr. Murphy. You definitely have a lot of knowledge and I greatly appreciate it. Um, a few rapid fire questions just to end the show. Sure. Um, who is the most influential woman in your life? Hmm. Um, 
I'm going to have to say that there's been a number of women that have really touched me in different ways. And um, at the moment, you know, considering everything that's been going on with COVID, I really relied a lot on uh, a group of close women um, that we kind of created this, uh, I'm going to call it like a spiritual group and Mm. a, maybe a sisterhood, we call it. That's so cool. And there's a group of these three women that Mm -hmm. um, they've just, helped me so much uh, as mm. far as being able to look at myself through mm. a real lens, you know, non-judgmental right. lens, uh, personally develop it, develop and feel super mm. loved. That's so, amazing. you know, shout out to my sisterhood for that. Oh, I love it. It's so important to have that awesome community that supports you too. Um, your favorite food? Hmm. It's tough because I, I love to try so many different foods. I, right? There's nothing that really, really comes to mind. I agree. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, though, my vice, which is mm. um, <laughs> it's my crux, which is chips. <laughs> oh, <laughs> chips. So you feel you're more salty than a sweet person? <laughs> salty, for sure. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, I have to watch the chip intake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, them chips will get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you a past, present, or future thinker? Uh, definitely future. And I would mm-hmm. say I have to train myself to be more of a present thinker because mm-hmm. that mindfulness is what helps right. me to stay uh, grounded as well mm-hmm. as um, bring down the stress response too, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite travel destination or dream destination? Oh, so traveling is my passion. Oh, I used to live, I used to live in Asia, so mm-hmm. I've done wow. a lot of traveling uh, in Southeast Asia and Asia itself, and um, I, I would say one of the highlights of some of the trips that I've taken, the, the latest one was in Barcelona and Spain. Oh, and we went to the Balearic Islands and rented a scooter and just oh. kind of drove all over the island, went to these amazing beaches. You know, the food is there. Of course. Amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, I would say that is it's such a memorable oh. uh, trip. That I stays close it. to me now, especially because we can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you miss it a little extra now. I can just yeah. picture that in my mind, too, and yeah, how beautiful it sure. is. And that's... then on my bucket list, you know, I'd love to go to Costa Rica. I hear so mm. many great things about it. And, mm. uh, and Bali and, you know, there's a bunch oh, yeah. of places. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm a travel bug as well. So I'm just I'm right there with you. And I'm like, yeah, that place, that place. You know, you could tell me I'm going anywhere and I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Last question. So if you had unlimited funds, what health gadgets or biohacking tools would you buy? Hmm. I would definitely get an infrared sauna Mm. if I had the space for it. Oh yeah. Um, That would be a big one. And there's some interesting, I think it's called Neuralink, um, but there's some interesting biofeedback technology that I'm looking into Mm. that measures brain scans and will assess kind of, are you in a state of stress learning focus i've heard of that yeah so i would definitely invest in in some of those gadgets Mm -hmm. um and actually no Neuralink is uh elon musk's company ah yes 
this I, I'm a little bit hesitant at right now, but essentially <laughs> it, it's an interface so that the brain uh, can, I don't know how to even explain it, but the brain, <laughs> the way that he explains it, maybe this is a rabbit hole. <laughs> we'll just go, go right to his site and read it. Yeah, go to his site, go to Neuralink. Uh, some scary stuff, but some amazing things wow. where they're yeah. looking at repairing brain damage and connections within the brain so that mm. people who are, say, paralegic, paraplegic or have lost their eyesight mm -hmm. uh, can regain uh, activity mm. of those nerves. So, so anyway, crazy. that's aside. Uh, <laughs> oh, we can talk about yeah, Eventually, uh, that'll be open to the public and it should be interesting what it offers to us. So Definitely. Wow. Mm -hmm. So crazy what's going on with the health realm and what's to come as well. Awesome. Um, so how can listeners reach out to you or connect with you? Yeah, well, I love hearing from people. So uh, feel free to email me at info at drrobinmurphy.com. And I'll link and that in the show Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. And then you can go to my website, which is the same, uh, or my social media, which is at Dr. Robin Murphy. Mm. And uh, you can also visit me at the clinic, which is cool. in Toronto, uh, Ontario. We're Take just at St. Clair and Young. It's called Ace Sports Clinic. And uh, I guess we'll put the link below, but uh, acesportsclinic.com. Cool. Yeah, that'll be all in the show notes. And you're also offering $100 off a genetic test kit when you use the code DNA Insights 19, mm -hmm. which we'll also link in the show notes. So that is super awesome. Um, it's personalized to your specific body and allows you to improve your health and well being by providing actionable nutrition, exercise, lifestyle recommendations. Um, definitely something to look into if you want to optimize your health. Yeah, I agree. Cool. It's a good place to start. There you are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Murphy. It was such an awesome episode. I had such a blast with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Dave.